You are tuned into Generation Wild Woman. This is your host, Bella, and I share the voices of awakening humans who serve the collective evolution of Earth. We have been silenced for too long, and these are the voices that humanity needs to hear so that together we can usher in a new vibration, a paradigm of heart-centered unity consciousness. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And I know I say this every time, but today's episode is something that's very near and dear to my heart and something that I'm very passionate about. And I'm very passionate about it because I get very frustrated with what's currently happening in the collective and what's happening to humanity with the suppression of humanity the zealous policing that's going on, our governments enforcing rules and guidelines that don't make any sense. And nobody seems to be asking any questions. Nobody's saying, why is this happening? And I get very um, tongue-tied when I'm talking about law and talking about human sovereignty and talking about what's my right as a human. So I thought, what better to do than to bring on someone who is an expert at talking about this kind of stuff. So I'm going to introduce a man called Zev Freeman, and he is the warrior at law. He's been a passionate and active human rights advocate and environmentalist since 1996, and he has extensive experience in the legal and lawful areas, and he's been serving humanity. So I'm so excited to hear what he's got to say today. So without further ado... Welcome, Sev. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having us on to come and get some info out to everyone. Oh, my God. You must just be like, it must be just like banging your head against the wall when you hear people say things like, oh, I have to wear a mask or I have to get a vaccine. I mean, people just don't know their rights. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and how you came across doing that? Well, look, I'm um, 45 years old now and I started chaining myself to trees and bulldozers about the age of 18, 19 and started doing this because I could see the um, lack of equality as far as the laws go with uh, environmental destruction and getting arrested a lot from lots of protesting and activism work. I found myself in court a lot and sort of figured, well, there's not enough people doing this. I'm going to be doing a lot more of it because clearly it needs to be done. And therefore, I better learn how this court stuff works and a bit more about the law if I'm going to keep doing this and dealing with the authorities on that level. So <clears throat> that sort of gave rise to 20, 25 years of um, activism in the legal lawful arenas environmentally, working with all of our original tribal custodians of the land as well, uh, as a lot of the environmental issues were highly significant areas of, of cultural significance for our Indigenous mobs. So... Um, yeah, I've gotten around and travelled a lot around Australia and helped a lot of groups and organisations and over the years I just keep learning as we, you know, the, the government keeps changing the rules, they change the laws, they move the goalposts. Every time we find a hole in these so-called laws, they plug them, so we find more holes, they plug them, we find more holes, they plug those. Uh, it's been a 20-something year game of cat and mouse with the government looking for, <coughs> excuse me, loopholes in the laws and they always leave a loophole because they need a backdoor for themselves. So with this skill that you have in learning the <coughs> law, is this something that 
you know, did you go to school to learn this or is this something that you learned as like, I don't like what I'm seeing in this system, so I need to learn about it and do something about it. So were you self-taught? How did this come about? Yeah, look, self-taught, meeting a lot of other people like-minded over the years from doing everything I've done uh, and just learning a bit from each other, lots of study and researching case law and legislations and looking through how laws become laws and legislation and, and learning a lot about that. The problem is that <clears throat> the system as we know it is where most people get their education. Now, no system that's educating people is going to give them the education required to overthrow the same system that's educating them. So you won't get this information through conventional means. And this is why a lot of people don't know where to look for it, where to find it, and it's just time. And sadly, it's a thing that most people don't want to spend the time learning because it's all right, someone else will deal with that. But if we don't all do that ourselves, if, if we don't know our rights, we don't have any. It's that simple. Mm. So can you explain it to me in layman's terms like you know can you break down the law so that we can understand it you know I think we had a brief chat the other day and you sort of broke it down really quickly for me can you do that for us today yeah well look the the short abbreviated version is the the one true authority and you know for people who aren't religious it's God creation creator nature the universe whatever your spiritual religious beliefs want to call it that's the only real true authority that we stand under anything else we stand with so the general theory is, you know, going through all the biblical referencing and laws of nature, we have God, nature, creator, creation, whatever people's beliefs want to call it, that created man, man created government. That's the order of hierarchy. That's the short abbreviated version. So it goes God, man, government. Now through that, <clears throat> the government then, which we created, then started creating all these BS bills and legislative instruments and offers to contract which none of which really apply to the living and this is another a big part that people don't have their heads around is that we are living men and women and 90 something percent of every so-called law passed in this country pertains to a person not to a man or woman and certainly not to that of the living this is why all the magistrates and judges wear black they're in mourning when you walk into the courtrooms you're there as deceased because the living can't contract or do business with the dead. So therefore they have to trick and deceive us into believing we're deceased, which I don't tell you about, of course, so they can do business with us and enforce all these BS fines and other things against you. So hang, <coughs> hang on a minute. How did they get away with this trickery? Like if we're a living man, I mean, I think this is where most people get lost. Like I'm a living man and being, but I'm also that person. How does that work? How did they get away with this trickery and you know, trading on us <coughs> as a deceased person. How does well, that happen? A lot of that ties in with birth certificate, which a lot of people refer to uh, as the straw man. Um, <coughs> there's basically two of us is the easy way of explaining this. So we learned this in primary school that you don't write nouns in all capitals. That's for businesses and companies and stuff that are usually written in all capitals, for corporate entities basically. Yeah, when you look at all of your bills, your fines, uh, letters from the tax office, your name is in all capitals. Now, if the name's a noun, using proper English and grammar, well, why is it written in all capitals? It's a business that they're trying to trade with. So going back to our God-man government sort of structure of the hierarchy of law, which I can expand on a bit in a minute, <clears throat> through that, if we look at how all that works, 
we uh, as living men and women have what's referred to as inalienable rights. They can't be taken off us. Uh, the government, the, the courts, the police, none of them gave us our rights. They're literally your God-given rights. You get them the moment we take our first breath. Now, I often ask people, you know, where do you think we get our rights from? And they say, oh, from the Constitution. And I always ask, well, when you were born, did the Constitution come up to you and say, g'day, I'm the Constitution, here's your rights? And they look at me sideways and go, no, it doesn't sound right. It's because it's not. It's not how it works. They are your God-given rights, whether you're religious or not. They're your natural, inalienable rights as a living, sentient being. And they can't be removed. They can't be taken away from you because the only authority that can do that is that of creator. So <clears throat> that then raises the obvious question, how do we lose our rights? We do that by being tricked and deceived into voluntarily giving them up. And one of the key ways they do this is this deceitful way of believing or tricking us into believing that we are the name. Well, I'm a man, I can't be a name. That's the name I might answer to, but I'm not a name. Now, they're very good at deceiving people with this. When you walk into court, the first thing they'll ask you is, are you John Smith? As soon as you say yes, you're screwed. You just became the straw man. You became the trustee and the debtor. That's who pays the bills. Mm. So we don't want to be the trust. We don't want to be tricked and deceived. And the other thing around that, Belle, is that when you're in court, they don't speak English. They speak this very tricky and deceitful language called legalese, which sounds exactly like English, but with completely different meanings. And when we're unaware of this, this is how we get brought undone. And it's, it's through that deceitful language of legalese and the trickery. And the best example is simple words like, do you understand? Most people say, yes, you just agreed to stand under their authority. So whenever I get asked by a police or any authority or courts, if I understand, I tell them I overstand or I comprehend. I refuse to say the words I understand to any government. I'm not standing under their authority. Mm. So, okay, so they trick us into, you know, they, they trick us into this system, but the whole system is wired to trip us up. So what are we supposed to do about this? Well, step out of it. This is what I explain to people. It's everyone wants to fight the system. This system has been in existence for a very long time with far more resources than any of us could imagine to enslave the people. Instead of fighting the system, why not just step out of the way? Same as the martial art approach to thing from many years of martial art training. It's all these fancy blocks and defensive moves you can do for a punch, or you can just get out of the bloody way. So if we're not in the line of fire, we're not taking damage. So just the system will do what it does, as it always has done. Just walk out of the way. So what does that look like? Well, look, there's a few ways of doing that. There is a lot of different ways of achieving remedy. Firstly, do some homework, do some research, learn some of your rights and the laws. Look through stuff like our constitution, which I'll come back to. Um, look at common law, look at admiralty law, look at trust and equity law. Look, look through some of the biblical referencing, which our laws are supposedly based on. Uh, look through the Declaration of Human Rights, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. There are so many uh, documentations and things done, recognised both here in Australia and internationally, to protect our rights. And if we don't know these, this is where we come undone. So when we get told stupid shit like you have to wear a mask, well, says who? Where's the contract where well, I agreed to be contractually obligated to comply with your bullshit? 
show me the wedding signature contract that I've signed between me and you to verify you can do that. Now, when we get a bit better at <clears throat> learning the, the specifics of the laws, uh, the, the mask ones are a great example, while we're authorised by the Chief Health Officer or the Chief Minister to do so. Really, can we see your instrument of delegation, please? Now, we've got things like the Federal Crimes Act 1914, and there's a specific section in there, which is Section 3ZZIA, which pertains specifically to the delegation of powers. And it states in that section of the Federal Crimes Act, which overrides the state law because it's federal Commonwealth jurisdiction, that if they're claiming, oh, yeah, the health minister has authorised, so you're the authorised delegate, they'll go, yes, I am. Fantastic. Can we see your instrument of delegation, please? Now, if they don't provide that upon request for inspection, that is considered a serious offence against the Commonwealth and may carry up to a two-year jail term. And they need to have that shit in writing. I tell you what, Seth, I wish I could like um, <coughs> plug into you and download your information because this is what it comes down to. Um, it comes down to not knowing the information. I travelled through Adelaide Airport recently, which I believe is one of the heavily policed airports in Australia with the mask mandate. I refused to wear a mask. I went through several different police officers, you know, going through these series of questions. And I'll be the first to admit, I didn't have the information and, and they bullied me and they feared me and all these police officers surround me. They use fear tactics and you know I ended up I had an exemption because I was like I'm not wearing a mask no matter what I had an exemption I ended up having to show it well at least I felt like I did in the moment because I didn't have the information so is there a condensed place that um, we can find this information like I think you're creating a website to bring out some information can people find this information easily no this is this is the problem it's <clears throat> so well hidden so convoluted and I get asked this a lot there I have not found a one website that has all this in an easily digestible bullet point form for people to get their heads around. Uh, it's one of the things I'm working on creating my own website to try and put some of this into some sort of a summarised uh, version for people so they can start to get their heads around it. Um, you know, the, the knowledge that people like myself have acquired has come from 20 years of learning and research from multiple sources and a lot of reading and learning and, and research. And they make it difficult for us. They don't want us to know this sort of stuff because it allows us to step out of that system. It allows us to free ourselves from that tyranny and slavery and the corruption and the fraud that our government uses to convince people that they have some sort of magical, mythical powers over we the people. Now, if the laws aren't being enacted properly, which 90% of them aren't, they've got nothing. But it's learning this. It's learning the, the language, how to speak it. And it's one thing to... You know, to have, oh, I've got a fancy piece of paper that says you can't do this. But if you don't have the knowledge to back that up, that paperwork's not worth anything. So it goes both ways. And I say this to a lot of people. If you're going to have, like, all these documents, that there's many groups out there doing up various documents for people to help enshrine their rights, you've got to have the knowledge to back up the documents. And you've got to have the documents to back up the knowledge. It's, it's a two-way street. So can you take me through, like clearly you've been arrested several times. Oh, once, twice, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can, you, can you take me through a conversation of what that looks like? You know, give, give me an example of something that's happened and how you've been able to hold yourself and hold yourself in your human sovereignty and your right as a sovereign human being. Well, look, going back um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, well, you know, we really started pushing this through the courts. It was probably about 20 years ago when I really started to dove into this heavily and 
it was I was deliberately getting myself arrested at protest. There was no need to actually get arrested, but I wanted to see how this worked in court. So we started experimenting, and it was just getting arrested for stupid shit at, at protests for logging and mining actions and that sort of stuff. And discovered, all right, some of that didn't work. We won't be doing that again. That worked really well. We'll be doing that again. And just over the years, it's just been a continual learning thing. So we had um <coughs> last year in Mullumbimby uh, around April, they Telstra tried to put in the, the 5G upgrades in Mullumbimby. Now, the Byron Council had a moratorium over that particular tower and Telstra tried to sneak in, hoping no one would notice them. Now, Mullumbimby, Byron area is sort of famous for activism and you know a bit of an alternative sort of a crowd around that region. The local town absolutely jumped on Telstra. They had about 100 people just come and swarm around all the equipment and they couldn't get in. Police turned up, they arrested someone, they, they got pretty heavy-handed with a few crew. Uh, I saw some video footage of this. So I drove down <coughs> that night, um, camped there overnight and slept on the concrete in the driveway to block anyone coming in overnight just in case. And we dealt with the police in the morning, uh, which I was asked to be police liaison for. Now, because of the heavy-handed tactics the day before, a lot of the locals were a bit concerned. I waited for the police to turn up. I started quoting sections of the law and acts and our rights at the police. They didn't know what to do with it. I asked them to get someone uh, more senior down there for me to talk to because I asked the officer supposedly giving orders if he was authorised and he said he wasn't. I needed to speak to higher up. I said, well, get him down here. We'll wait. So it's a great stall tactic. We held them off for a little while while we waited for more senior for the brass to turn up. Uh, they were bamboozled for four or five hours talking to me and nothing happened. No one got arrested. No Telstra vehicles turned up and we held the site and to this day, nearly 18 months later, that tower has still not been upgraded. And that's because, we one, we had the community behind us, had a lot of support. We served some very hefty paperwork on the local police and Telstra and parliament ministers. <coughs> Having a, a chat with the police that day and holding them off for five or six hours uh, got me a meeting with the local area commander for the Tweed Byron Shire. So this all happened on a Friday. On the Monday, I had a meeting with the local area commander, uh, which was set up for us to, well, as, as the police uh, were of the impression, to discuss the rules of engagement between protesters and the police to work some sort of a an arrangement out. Um, I, on the other hand, didn't want to use the meeting for such purposes, so when I turned up at the meeting with the local area commander, I walked in and I served him with a notice of cease and desist with his name on it um, and said to him, we've got some paperwork here from our legal team we'd like you to have a look at, mate. And he happily accepted it and then said, what's this? I said, well, you've just been served, mate. You're now on notice and I suggest you have a read. And he sort of threw it on the desk to get it away from him. He was like, what the hell just happened? It's too late, mate. You've been served and we filmed it. We got video footage of proof of receipt of service. And he goes, but that's between Telstra. It's got nothing to do with us. We're the police. So, well, hang on, you work for the government? He's like, yeah. And the government is a part owner of Telstra? Yep. And that notice says agent to principal, principal to agent, and you guys are agents of the same principal. Therefore, that applies, and you're now on notice too. And since Telstra won't talk to us, maybe it's in your best interest if you speak to them. And that was followed up with some other notices and a notice of acceptance of acquiescence by silence because they didn't respond. Therefore, their silence was an agreement or acquiescence. And to this day, that tower has not been upgraded, which has set a precedent for others around the country too because a notice has said, including but not limited to, the address of that tower, effectively making them Australia-wide. Mm. 
Wow. So it's really <coughs> coming down to information and knowledge. So if we can make it, um, if we can have a little chat around what's happening, because this is really relevant globally, you know, the governments are suppressing the people and, and what's happening, especially <coughs> with COVID, with the mask mandates, with the check-in codes, with the, you know, the push for the green passport, what rights do we have? Um, how do we go about saying no to wearing masks and saying no to uh, checking in, especially checking <coughs> into businesses? What's that going to look like? Well, look, the businesses, their job is compliance, not enforcement. Now, I, I've asked businesses, that, are, oh, mate, but you have to, otherwise we'll get a fine. Well, hang on, are you getting paid to do the government's dirty work for them? How much time and energy is this costing you as a business to do their dirty work for them? And most businesses are right really shitty about it when you ask them like that. Rather than going, no, screw you, I'm not doing it, just to ask them, are you aware that what you're doing actually isn't legal? Now, the QR codes, for example, there are multiple sections of the Privacy Act of 1988, which that's in breach of. So if people want to look that up, start at section 94 of the Privacy Act 1988. <clears throat> there's also for if they're being refused service, there's the Disability and Discrimination Act of 1992. There are multiple sections in there. There's the Equality Act of 2010. There's the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Australia of 1900-1901. There's the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. There's the Declaration of Human Rights. There's the uh, Sexual Servitude and Slavery Act of 1999. These are all federal Commonwealth jurisdiction. Now, when we've got um, so-called law, which I use that term very loosely because of how these are enacted, the states cannot override federal or Commonwealth jurisdiction, and that is uh, as governed by a constitution. And if people want to look this up, it's Section 109. Now, 109 of the constitution says words to the effect of when the laws of a state are contrary to that of the Commonwealth, the latter shall prevail and the former shall, to the value of its inconsistencies, be invalid, which is a fancy way of saying the states cannot override Commonwealth law or the constitution. And most of what we're being asked to do nowadays is in breach of multiple sections of some of those Commonwealth laws. And there are just a few quick ones off the top of my head. You give me 10 minutes to do a bit more homework, I'll have a few more for you. So if you, um, have you pulled out any of these when you've been like asked to sign in the QR code? Have you pulled out this information and what's that, what happens? I, I carry a folder that's about an inch thick with me in my little backpack here, um, which has a variety of notices uh, and documents to serve on people for any sort of you know, given situation or scenario. Um, from conditional acceptance and liability to notices of prohibition, terms of engagement. I give them fee schedules as well. So if they wish to continue to do business with me, I'm $10,000 per hour. Do you wish to continue to engage with me? Most people don't. It's funny how that works. And so what happens? Do they let you in without signing? Is that what happens? Well, look, sometimes if they're real narky about it, I just go, well, fuck you, I'm taking my business elsewhere. That's the easy solution. I, I say to a lot of people, well, why are you fighting to, to spend your money at a business that wants to support this? Mm. Take your business elsewhere. I'm with you on that. Money is one of the only things that these buggers understand. So therefore, stuff them, take your business elsewhere. In my experience, um, <coughs> and you know, maybe others can vouch for this, in my experience, uh, it's only some businesses that are policing it. Like if you go to a business, they have the sign that they kind of just expect that you're going to do it, right? Yep. And if you don't, that's my choice. Um, the ones that are really policing it, really enforcing it, I'm like, I don't want to go and I'm just going to go across the road to the business over there because I don't want to invest my money in you. You're supporting these bullshit laws and this bullshit 
Bullshit. Actually, let's. Is this a law? What they're doing is it lawful? Can no. you go in? Yeah. Can you no. explain that? Can you so break it down? What 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 they're basing this on? Oh, but the chief health health minister or the chief health officer said so. I'm sorry, but some wanker in a suit dribbling shit on national media does not make it a friggin' law. That is not how it works. That's the easiest way of explaining it. And I get right, rolly shitty about this with people and rather passionate because some fucked hard on TV wearing a suit saying you must all do this is not law. He's giving a direction. He's asking you nicely. We have the right to just stick our middle fingers up at him and say no. It is not a friggin' law. Now, let's, let's look at <clears throat> how things get passed as law. Now, we've got these state of emergencies because they can grant all these mythical, magical powers unto themselves under a state of emergency. That still has to comply with things like the Biosecurity Act. They, the state of emergency cannot override our basic rights, our human rights, the Constitution, Declaration of Human Rights, or the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. And no emergency they want to call is going to allow them to negate all of that. For them to issue all these mask mandates and tell me what they have to do, these uh, require what's called biosecurity control orders. Uh, people want to look this up, Biosecurity Act 2015, start at section 60 and 61. Now that states very clearly that for controlling biosecurity matters, which apparently is what we've going, got going on with this world's deadliest virus with a 99% recovery rate that the world's leading health advice is staying for two weeks, mate, and she'll be right. So <laughs> we've got this comical scenario happening at the moment around that. The only people able to issue a biosecurity control order, which is an actual A4 sheet of paper which you get issued by a biosecurity officer, a human biosecurity officer or a chief biosecurity officer, they're the only ones that can issue an actual biosecurity control order in accordance with 60 and 61 of the Biosecurity Act. And they can only do this if you've displayed symptoms for whatever this imaginary disease is and you've tested positive. Well, don't get me started on the PCR test. We'll oh, be here all day. But this, is a <clears throat> this is the process for doing so. Now, as far as wearing masks and medical stuff, this is what's referred to as civil conscription or being conscripted civilly to comply. Section 5123A of our Constitution expressly forbids such things. And again, brings us back to 109, the laws of the state cannot override that of Commonwealth or federal jurisdiction. You know, and it's just crazy. Like, you know, they're fearing people into they've got these mythical powers and, and they keep being able to use the Emergency Act because people don't know their rights, they don't know the laws. And it's just so synchronistic that every time the state of an emergency is about to be ended, there's another outbreak oh, of, the, of the dreaded COVID virus. Like, what a load of shit. If you're not seeing it for what it is right now, if you don't have the goddamn fucking scales off your eyes, then I don't know what it's going to take for you to wake up and start asking questions. Yeah, exactly. And this is what they're doing. That the This is all done under what they call the Public Health Act. Now, a lot of these acts and legislative instruments have not been enacted properly as laws for them to be able to enforce any of this nonsense. Now, a couple of little things for your listeners here. For acts to be enacted as law, is, has anyone ever wondered why they're called an act and not a law? What's an act? An act is something acting as or pretending to be. So we've got all these fancy pieces of paper in Australia acting as law. That's why they're called an act, not law. That's why it's the Road Traffic Management Act or the Road Transport Act. Mm, I like that. Thank you. It's not a law. This is why. 
So for things to be enacted as a law properly, there's a few uh, prerequisites going on the Westminster system and the way that Parliament was set up here in accordance, of course, with Constitution and other things. These acts must have a minimum of two readings through both Houses of Parliament before a minimum quorum of 20 ministers. They must have an actual commencement date. And if you look at the short title on a lot of these so-called laws on the Act, it says, oh, this Act uh, commences on the date it gets royal assent or on the date it's published in the Government Gazette. That's not a commencement date. The Act officially has never started because there's no actual date on there. Oh, yeah, but it was the date it got royal assent. Let's go on down the royal assent line. Who can grant royal assent? Royalty. Royalty. So how is it we have this dead fictitious corporate entity known as the Queen of Australia and her agents, such as these fraudulent governor and attorney generals, passing laws as agents of the Queen of Australia who holds no land seals or titles to have any claim of royalty to grant royal assent? So. Wow, you can see this <coughs> trickery, just, you know, this trickery. And, and what I find extraordinary is that the magicians and the tricksters have done such a good job of, of brainwashing humanity that the people become the enforcers. The people become the consciousness police. I went to the surf club for lunch recently and they tried to get me to do the, the QR code thing and I said, oh, no, no, thank you. And then I said, oh, I'll write my name down on a piece of paper. And, and you know what the lady said to me? She said, it's illegal to use a pen to write your name wow. down. <laughs> I actually just cracked up laughing. I was like, really? Are you really going to pull that one out? Like, come on, people. So if you're worried about the QR code and stuff, apparently people like Queensland, Woolies and Coles are starting. You can't come in and shop. Don't take your phone with you. No, exactly. That's what I say. I don't have a phone. They're like, you don't have a phone. I'm like, no, check my handbag. And they're like, uh, 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 and they're like, oh, well, they get their little iPad out, and they say, "What's your name?" I say, "Melinda Gates." Yeah. <laughs> and they go, "Look at me," and I said, "That's my name." You yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, and I don't even like playing that game. I don't even want to act or pretend that I support the rules because I don't. <coughs> but where do we go forward from here, Zev? Because I mean, I know education is a big part of it, but we're in a really sticky mess. Well, it's, it's educating businesses as well as the people. So I, I take documents with me and there's there's a lot of stuff that um I can email some of it through to you for some of your followers to have access to. There's a lot of notices out which we just print them out and we give them to businesses to inform them that, look, should you enforce this, you're actually in breach of things like the Privacy Act, the Disability and Discrimination Act, the Equality Act, you could actually be personally sued by every individual in your business for tens of thousands of dollars for enforcing this BS. And they're worried about a fine of five grand from the government. They can be sued for up to 50 grand per individual for enforcing this. So if it's the money that people are worried about, then inform the businesses that you're going to be in a lot deeper shit if everybody that come in here knew this and everybody served you with one of these notices and everybody decided to pursue this matter via lawful channels, they're going to cost you a lot more than what the government's threatening. And this is the only thing the government has. They don't have law. They don't have rights. They don't have morals or ethics or any of or common sense, or as I call it nowadays, uncommon sense on their side. So what they do is they use fear and threats and intimidation. They do it under duress and people are wearing masks because they're too afraid of a $200 fine? Are you really prepared, people, to sell your freedom and your rights for fear of a $200 fine? I agree. Like, they use fear tactics. When I was flying <coughs> on the plane recently, I, you know, I was at the Gold Coast airport and, you know, I got told, oh, you have to wear a mask. No, thank you. 
getting on the plane, you have to wear a mask. No, thank you. And it's like, oh, the police are going to be waiting for you at the other end. They really put the fear in. If you don't put your mask on, the police are going to be waiting. I was like, that's okay. No problem. You know, and it's like everyone around me was looking at me, for God's sake, just put your mask on. You've got to save people. And I was like, oh, my God, like what has happened to humanity? People are not thinking for themselves. They are not using their brain. They are just believing the propaganda that's been shoved down our throats. But it's not their fault because it started at birth. Yeah, and I said that I had someone have a dig at me for not wearing a mask and I just said, look, I've got an exemption. They said, well, you still need to wear your mask. It's people like you who are putting the rest of us at risk. And I looked at this lady, I said, it's people like you with your blind obedience that is putting the rest of us at risk. And she didn't know what to say to that. She walked off in the shits with me, but a few people around heard me and sort of, you know, gave me a bit of a nod of like, yeah, nicely said, mate. It's those of us prepared to take a stand and not putting the rest of the population at risk. Yeah, more people need to take a stand. It's the people out there who are just doing this with complete and absolute blind obedience without question. It's the problem. Mm. And this is what's, you know, people, oh, but they'll find me. Whoop do fucking do? Let them find you. What's what's worse, giving up your rights or copping a fine which is easy to beat? Oh look, <clears throat> you know, giving up your rights and and people don't know what their rights are. That's the problem. So that this leads me back to, you know, I'm so excited about where you're going. The warrior warrior at law, is that right? Yep. So what what are you what are you planning for humanity and how are you going to support the people that want to learn? Share us a little bit about what what you got right. going on. Well, look, I've, we've been doing um so like some webinars and seminars just quietly on the side for a bit. Once the web's up and running, we'll be doing that a bit more, you know, um, openly, a bit more overtly than we have been with the covert stuff lately. Um, teaching people about affidavits for court stuff and how and why they work. Teaching people about their rights. I've got a, a ten part course I've put together for people to do. Uh, which we're hoping to start running mid-August, um, just to run people through some, some basics on on their rights, the hierarchy of laws, uh, interactions with authorities and some role plays for people to get used to or what to say. Um, some information about fines and how fines actually work and what they are because they're not fines and they're an offer to contract. Uh, some information about contracts and joinder and how contracts work. Um, stuff on trusts and trust law, the straw man, UCC, the Uniform Commercial Code, which is what we're traded on and, and under um, through the birth certificates, and we're listed as Chattel property. So that's we're treated like cattle because of that, you know. I um, mean, you're blowing my mind here, like you're blowing my mind. I mean, you know, and, I, and I'm into this stuff and I re- research and I watch podcasts and, you know, <coughs> I, I listen to a lot of stuff. So... Where does the average Joe that's maybe just started taking the scales off their eyes and they're, they're starting to question, something's not right here, where does that person start? Well, look, start, download a PDF of the Constitution, download a copy of the Declaration of Human Rights. There's only 30 articles in there. There's only 31 articles or 40 in the uh, International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Start here with some of these things. Start looking up things about common law. Uh, we run regular Zooms every Tuesday and Thursday night nationally, which are open to everyone to come and learn a bit more about common law as well. Uh, we've got meetings up on the Gold Coast. We run every second Friday night, which is a common law group as well, to help teach people about their rights. There are groups set up in most states around Australia that are working very, very hard on doing a lot of this stuff as well. There's quite an extensive network of people around the country 
uh, doing this sort of stuff. And there's many people out there teaching, running Zooms and workshops and other groups and stuff, uh, available people to start to learn some of this stuff. But, like, if you want to start on that, start looking at that. Um, download, oh, but it's under this particular act that we're able to do that. Go on the Australian legal sites, download the legislation, read through it, and you'll see that there are holes in there you can drive a truck through in every single bloody one of them because the politicians always leave themselves a back door so they don't have to comply with it themselves. Uh, so they know this law <coughs> or they know this bullshit and they know what the rules are so they know how to get out of it if they get caught in the system somehow. Well, correct. And look, if you also look at most of our legislation, it's all written future tense. So a person shall carry a licence. Well, I shall one day. doesn't say when. Vehicle registration. There's no mention in New South Wales on the Transport Act or whatever it's called that says you have to pay a fee or that the car actually has to be registered. It says it must be registerable on the register. Well, it is registerable. All it's right. Not, it's so, not registered, so, but it's registerable. So let's break this down, Steph. <laughs> I'm going to ask you outright. Do you register your vehicle? Currently I do, um, just because of... The time it cost me in the past in court and challenging all this, um, I did travel around Australia for three or four years without a licence or registration. Uh, and yes, I got pulled over a lot and not much happened. I had two experiences from that in court and this is 15, 20 years ago and I've learnt a lot more since then. Um, I think I lost one thing in court over that and the other ones I beat, nothing happened. How much energy energy do you want to invest into it? I guess that's it's it's a case of pick your battles, you know. Yep. And for me, I'm after the bigger fish nowadays, and I'm really trying to help a lot of other people. Like I do a lot of one on one coaching. I, I help assist people with their own court matters and stuff. So I'm really trying to focus on keeping myself off the radar and and helping others. And for me to go back to doing that, which I will be doing again very soon. Uh, it's not, not a, a good use of my time at the moment to do that. And I've done it for three or four years. No, it can be done. I'm happy to do it again when I have more time to challenge that properly. Problem is when we go to court and we're doing stuff like this, we don't ever get a win. It gets thrown out, discharged, dismissed, or dropped on some bullshit technicality because if they let people like me have a win, it would set a precedent for others to follow and that is the last thing in the world they want. Some people say, but you've never won. I've walked out of the court a free man that I walked in there as every bloody time nearly. But I never got an actual win to set a precedent where it wasn't ruled in my favour because mm. otherwise that would allow others to do what I've just done. So so what would it look like, <coughs> uh, Sev, you could take me through it. So let's say, let's say I'm in, at the airport and I refuse <coughs> to wear a mask and the police give me a fine. What does that look like if I decide... Not oh, to pay there's that. a bit of a process between you refusing to wear a mask and actually receiving a fine. Yeah. So let, 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 let's yeah, f- yeah, fill yeah. in the gap in yeah, between Yeah, okay. There. All right. Great. So first of all, I've got an exemption. Can we see it? No. Now, the only place I've found in Australia, because I got the shit hassled out of me there, uh, was South Australia. The mm. Absolute pricks there. Me too. Yep. Now, I've showed them some paperwork which I didn't like. I'm a Commonwealth public official. I showed them all of that. The first two coppers I showed my paperwork to with a Commonwealth exemption notice, uh, which I drew up myself with a Commonwealth seal and all that, outlining all the laws there and breach of for enforcing this. The first two police I showed that to had no issue with it. The third policeman that came and hassled me was not having a bar of it, and he got quite heavy with me and said, well, if you're eating or drinking, you don't have to wear the mask. So carry a bag of chopper chops with you guys. This is what I do through the airports. I walk around eating lollipops and drinking water slowly. That's what my husband does. He <coughs> just, yep. the whole time, he just has a chopper chop in his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. So again, pick your battles, guys. So yep. first of all, 
in South Australia, apparently somehow they've legislated it or without it going through Parliament that you actually have to show your exemption upon request, only at the airport. Anywhere else in South Australia, apparently not. Now, most of the other states around Australia, if you've got an exemption and they ask to see it, you can say, well, look, I, actually, it's a breach of the Privacy Act for me to show you my personal and private medical information. You can contact my doctor if you like. Rah, rah, rah. You don't actually have to show that to them, particularly in New South Wales. All you have to say is, I have an exemption. That should be enough for most people. They're not allowed to enforce that. Uh, it's it's against our privacy and various other rights that we have there. Now, as far as the actual accepting of the fine, that's a whole other story. Well, I'm going to have to write you a fine. Well, I'm not accepting it, mate. I'm not, I'm not contracting with you today. There's no business to be had or we're going to arrest you. What am I being arrested for? Because stuff that they fine you for is not really necessarily an indictable offence where they actually have any rights to arrest you. It's a fine. It's not an arrestable offence or a crime. Oh, but you've committed a crime. Really, they often change it when you ask them, is it a crime or an offence? No, no, it's not a crime. It's an offence. Because a crime requires a victim who suffered harm, loss, damage or injury, which clearly hasn't bloody occurred. Mm. So where's your victim? Oh, okay, it's not a crime, then it's an offence. Offence against who? Mm. Who's offended? You know, the thing about this, though, Seb, is it, <coughs> it requires you to have some fucking kahunas of steel because when yep. you've got two police officers standing over you wearing the uniform, we are, we are subliminally brainwashed to fear authority as children. It never worked on me. No, it didn't work it, on it, me. It either, never clearly. worked on me either because I rebelled against authority, always have, probably always will. And I think it's people like me and people like you. We came through knowing that we were going to have to face up. We came through as paradigm shifters, right, sacred disruptors. But for the people who came through with different roles and different jobs, so yes, they're serving humanity <coughs> in a different way, but they're not someone that doesn't fear authority. Where does that leave that person? Well, Let's let let's be blunt. Grow a pair. And <laughs> <laughs> this this is what it comes down to. Is people are just ditch the fear. People they have nothing. The only power they have over us is the power we choose to give them. So give them nothing. Tell them to fuck right off. Stand your ground and grow a pair. It's that simple. So basically, you saying so? Let's say I'm in the airport. I don't wear a mask, and then I I accept the fine. Is the problem then that I accepted the fine? Well, what's part of it? I don't accept their paperwork. Yeah, and because I often pull out my own paperwork. Mm -hmm. And sorry, fellas, I don't answer questions. Before you ask why I don't answer questions, because clearly that would be a frigging question. I'm not under contract to Crown or State, but if you'd really like to do business with me, lucky for you boys, here's one I prepared earlier. And I hand them some of my paperwork instead. And they always take it and go, what's this? Well, you've just been served, you're now on notice, and that's got my fee schedule attached to it, should you decide to do business with me. We don't have a contract, because you guys have just agreed to that, but now we do, because I've just given you one. And that's made out for the entire police force of the actual state. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I'd love to be a fly <coughs> on the wall observing this play out, you know. They won't talk to me. Around Twee Byron nowadays, the police won't pull me over or talk to me. They won't approach me unless they absolutely bloody have to. And the only time I do that is when I'm police liaisoning for a rally or a protest or something because they have to talk to someone and it's going to be me. So other than that, they generally leave me alone because of the vast volume of paperwork, documents have served on the local constabulary around my area. They tend to just leave us alone nowadays. It's taken time to, you know, to get that rapport with them. Uh, and with the accepting of fines, guys, I tell them I'm not accepting it. If you'd like to do business with me, you send me a summons to court and you can argue your right to do business with me before a court of competent jurisdiction. 
Mm. I'm not accepting your paperwork. There is no contract. There is no joinder. Just a quick one on contracts and joinder to to explain this with the whole dead and the living oh, and the storm. Sure. Yeah, please, certificate. please go into so, it. So <clears throat> the dead cannot contract with the living. doesn't work. And that's simply because a contract requires what's called joinder. And to effect or create joinder, you need to have what's called a meeting of the minds. Now, how can your mind as a living woman meet with the mind of an entity which is dead and has no mind, such as Queensland Police Service? You're not contracting with the officer. It's coming from a private company with its own ABN. Companies and corporations do not have minds. Mm. Therefore, there can be no meeting of the minds between you as a living man or woman and a company or a corporation. That goes for the ATO as well. They're a private company and corporation with their own ABN. And this is why you're sent your fines, your tax bills, all this shit, with the all capitals name. It is the birth certificate thereafter, not you as the living man or woman, because they know damn well they can't contract with the living because there is no meeting of the minds to affect joinder to create an actual contract. No contract, no contractual obligations. I love that. You know, I've had that play out in my own life. Um, you know, love me or hate me, some people are horrified when I tell this story, but I've never voted, not once. Yeah, good on you. I never registered to vote. I never enrolled. And some people think, oh, then you can't complain about what the government are doing because you've never voted. You know what? It's all a fucking scam. If everyone drew a big dick and balls on their voting slips, the entire country were to do that and put in their voting ballots, we would still have Labor We'd or Liberal. We'd still have Labor or Liberal. That's right. They choose, right? So I've never voted, okay? And why do we do it in pencil? Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've never voted and I'm, I'm the first to admit it. I've never voted and I never enrolled to vote and people always would say to me, oh, you'll get a fine. And you know what? I'm 43 years old and I've never had a fine. And I'll tell you what happened just recently. So I gave birth to my son and then because I'm self-employed, I went on Centrelink <coughs> maternity leave. First time getting Centrelink in my whole life. And what do you know? I get a letter from the Electoral Commission saying, oh, congratulations, you've been enrolled. And I was like sent back, oh, you know, you got the wrong number. You know, not me. I do not contract sort of thing. And then I get another letter saying whether you like it or not, you've been enrolled by Centrelink and you are now with this, you know, electoral commission I send back, I do not consent, get fucked, right? And I was blunt about it, right? So I just kept sending all the letters back, I do not consent, I do not consent. So guess what they started doing then? They started sending the letters to my husband and I together, right? <laughs> Instead of coming separately. So I sent them all back, I do not consent, fuck off. I do not consent. I do not contract with you because this is something I was really passionate about and I was so angry at Centrelink for enrolling me against my well, will. They've done this without your consent on your behalf without providing full disclosure or discovery it, of any implied contractual it, obligations. Exactly, right? So I've gone, no. <clears throat> and then, then we had an election, you know, a year ago, whenever it was, and I didn't vote. I didn't go. Nothing. Yep. Nothing came in the mail. And now I don't get any more letters and my husband's getting the letters just to him again. So it's <laughs> like they've just accepted it. Yeah. Right? They've gone, oh, well, we yep. don't got a leg to stand on. Yeah, so. it's too hard. They yep. put me in the too hard basket, right? And the same is true. I've chosen not to vaccinate my son. That's my choice. Love me or hate me, you've got your own choice. 
and I get constant letters from the immunisation register. I get constant oh, calls. They've from, given up on me with my daughter. Yeah, She's fifteen. Yeah, never had uh, a shot in her uh, life. I get constant calls from Centrelink, <clears> and I'm like, "How about?" You get fucked. But it took me 17 months to get to that point. I tried being really polite at first, but polite didn't work. Polite didn't get me anywhere. So now, finally, the letters have stopped. They've finally accepted, okay, this person's not going to be feared into submission. And what they're doing with the, with the Centrelink stuff and vaccinations, it's an extra like $50 a fortnight or some bullshit. So for $25 a week, are people really prepared to have their children injected with poison that's not proven to be safe? When I was at the doctor's with my daughter for a non-something else, the doctor said, oh, looking at her records here and her immunisation schedule is not up to speed. And I said, oh, you mean her vaccination schedule because she's immunised, she's got an immune system and she's had chicken pox and whooping cough and whatever else, so clearly she's immunised. I said, I would have thought as a medical professional you would know the difference between the word immunisation and vaccination, which are two completely separate bloody things. And the doctor got a little bit shirty with me, which was quite hilarious. And he goes, well, no, look, she needs to catch up, mate, or yeah, any benefits from the government you're on. And I was like, mate, $25 a week or whatever the pittance is is not enough to for me to poison my daughter. Now, if you'd like to bring her up to speed on her vaccination schedule because she's clearly immunised, can you write me out some form of a letter guaranteeing 100% both the safety and effectiveness of these vaccines you'd like to bring her up to speed on and he said no and i said well why is it if you want to inject her with this stuff you'll be the one giving the injections you'll need to sign something for me stating they're 100 percent safe and effective otherwise why would i do that to my daughter and he goes i can't do that i said well can't or won't and he goes i'm not prepared to do that and i'm like well is that because they're not safe or because they're not effective which is it or is it both and he wouldn't answer any of my questions and said, you need to go and speak to an immunisation specialist here at the clinic, the nurses. I said, you mean the vaccination specialist? <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's the one. So I went out to chat with him. I said, well, look, she's had some of these things. So just to eliminate it, can we do some blood tests to see what she's you know, immunised for? Because, you know, she's naturally mm-hmm. immune, as we all are, because we have these amazing things called a fucking immune system, which people seem to forget about. And the nurse said, oh, we'll get back to you. And they rang me a couple of days later. And they said, look, we've done a bit of a look into it. Because some of the vaccines are a three and four and one, there's actually no blood tests that we can do to check for the antibodies. And I said, wow, that's fascinating. And I said, yeah, I know we're a bit surprised too. I said, no, but that raises the obvious question. If you can't do a blood test for the antibodies, how the hell are you developing a vaccine when you can't test for the antibodies to see if it friggin' works or not? And she goes, that's a really good question. So, well, when you've got a really good answer, you give me a call back. Funnily enough, I never heard back from them. No, you do not hear a word. And at the end of the day, it is it is our choice. And, and if you choose to vaccinate your child, that is 100% your choice, as long as you're making it willingly and consciously and you're deciding that it's best for your family. I've chosen something different. And you know where the government, and this really does you know, horrify me because I have so many friends that have said to me, oh, you won't get the benefits from the government, you know. And well, jam your benefits, it's not you, worth it. You can jam your benefits, but this is where they get people. And, and ScoMo, if you're listening to this, I'm <coughs> sure you're not, but if you are, you are an absolute dog because he brought in the no jab, no play. So what happens now is that, yeah, it's only 50 bucks a fortnight out of your benefit. However, you don't get childcare rebates now. So if you don't vaccinate your child, it goes from like, you know, $20 a day to put your kid in childcare to like $150 a day. And the average person 
Can't afford that. Can't afford that. So I know at least a dozen mums that are like, I really didn't want to vaccinate, but I need the childcare. That is absolute <laughs> coercion. Yep. That is coercion and this is illegal. This is why last year, a group that I was working with, we issued cease and desist notices on ScoMo, the health minister and the aged care minister federally for cease and desist notices to cease and desist any and all the no jab, no play, no jab, no pay, anything including but not limited to COVID and influenza vaccines and all the rest of it for that coercion. It's about a six or seven page document that we've done up. That was served, it was hit by a public notary and we dropped all them on government and then when they didn't respond, we hit them with a notice of acceptance of acquiescence by silence. We've done some cover letters to go with them. and We've been getting people their jobs back at the aged care homes. We've been getting families in to see their loved ones without taking a flu jab or a vaccine because of these notices. I've personally had chats with lawyers and law firms around this because the old folks home have gone, hey, we're not touching that. Get your lawyers to contact me. Here's my number and email. I'll verify it with them. I've explained to the lawyers what's going on. They've gone, you're right to go in. That's beautiful. I love what you're doing for humanity. I love that you are giving people the power to know that they can choose what is right for them. And and what the government is doing right now, separating the elderly from their families over a goddamn <coughs> bullshit virus and over people not being vaccinated, forcing people, coercing people, their loved ones are fucking dying. And unless you get the vaccine, you can't go in. Are you serious? How have we let it get to this? We can't. One of the base things for our inalienable rights is no one under Nuremberg Code and all sorts. There's so many laws, federally, Commonwealth, state, internationally, that prevent anything from being done to you medically without your consent. Now, if they're saying, oh, but we can force it upon you, let's look, for example, here at the legal and statutory definition of the word rape. That is the insertion of a foreign object into one's body without your consent. Consent is huge. This is one of the major parts that people don't understand. They can't force you to undertake any medical procedure without your consent. They are raping you. Exactly. Now, same deal. Look, sex without consent, rape. Business without consent is called fraud, theft or extortion. Employment without consent is called slavery. Consent plays a massive part with our lawful rights. My God, I love you. I love this juicy conversation. So what's your website going to be? And I know it's not quite ready yet, but do you know what it's going to be so that people can find you? Well, look, it'll be something to do with Warrior at Law. Um, we haven't quite sort of hopefully be up in the next few weeks. It, look, it'll have some um, some videos, uh, some free documents for subscribers and stuff to help people with some information to serve on businesses, etc. Uh, not all these documents I'm putting up there are necessarily ones I've written up. I've got a lot of friends that have done a lot of this sort of stuff for years, so we're piecing together a lot of that information. Just for people to have access to it, there'll be some training videos. Uh, there'll be some more full-on stuff for the you know people wanting to actually take action and stuff, which you'll be able to purchase on the website for some more full-on documentation, affidavits, some more serious notices that really hit hard and hit home to help people to avoid claims and stand up for their rights properly. There'll be instructional videos for all that, There'll be access to the webinars and, and course seminars, which will be in person and done via Zoom, uh, and just some other general information of hierarchy of laws and some stuff about common law and admiralty law, the history of, just some some information to help people to start, you know, because this is daunting for people who are just starting to, to wake up and that their heads are just, blown, their minds are blown. They don't know where to start. 
My and goodness, like it's, I, it's a massive rabbit hole for those who who don't know. Look, I've been on this awakening journey <clears> since 2012, but I was born a rebel. I hate authoritarian figures. I always have, and it's a mind for me. For for even someone that's that's really passionate about it, I'm just like, oh man, that's just like. Oh, it's just where do I start? So, you know, to have somebody that's dedicating their life and, you know, you have so much information inside of you and it would be an absolute crime for you not to forward that information and to help the people. So thank you so much for your service to humanity. And when uh, Sev's website is live, I will be sure to upload and let everybody know. I'm going to put it in the bottom of the podcast details Thank you so much for joining us today, Warrior at Law. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you got something out of this juicy conversation and this passionate information that Sev brings forward. May together we birth a brand new humanity so that we can be the best versions of ourselves, and we can let go of this old, outdated paradigm that is no longer serving us for the well-being of all.